episode 222. Hi, welcome to my mum's show. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. My name is Julia Husher and I'm the host of this show and I'm absolutely delighted to have you join me today. Before we get into this week's episode, I just want to thank everybody who has recently written into me. It truly means the world. And if you are a regular listener, I would love, 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 love for you to write a review in the Apple podcast app and... I would be super grateful if you could do that for me. What that does, it makes the podcast easier for new single mums to find and it encourages them to listen. And it's super simple. All you have to do is go to that app, find the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast show and tap on write a review. And if you don't have time to even write a review, even just tapping on the stars is amazing. And you can also subscribe while you're there and you'll never miss an episode. Okay. I'm really excited about today's episode. I've got a friend of mine on the show who has done something really incredible. She's using a pseudonym to kind of protect her identity, but I can't wait to share what she's been doing. This episode has been a long time coming. I do have to warn you that this episode, it may trigger you if you have been through domestic violence in any way. And I do have to apologize also for the sound quality where I have moved to. It does not have the best audio. And I am working on that. I will probably go back to my co-working space and sort of do my podcasting recordings from there. But for now, I apologize. I hope it is not too uncomfortable for you to listen to from an audio perspective. And I'm really excited to share this story with you. So let's get into it. Okay, today on the show, I have a lovely lady. She's going by the pseudo name of Zoe Jones. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Good. I like my new name. (laughs) (laughs) I know, and I want to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But for now, like, tell us a little bit about you. You've done something which I think is just so amazing, and I want to hear about that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you have done and then we can kind of go a little bit through the backstory. Okay. Um, So I have written a children's book. Um, It's aimed at children between the age of three and eight. Um, And the reason I've written it is because my son has no contact with his father due to um, domestic violence and... um, also from the father's choice as well, but predominantly for, for safety reasons, because it was always, because um, it has to be supervised if there is any contact at all. Um, and this is really kind of a rhetoric that I developed to explain to my son why his father was no longer around, whilst, you know, trying to um, build resilience in him and make him realise that it's through nothing that he's done um, no fault of his own, because I think especially when they're th- th- that age, like around the sort of two, threes and sort of young children, um, they can think that it's something that they've done. So they could think, oh, you know, I I got in trouble that day because I dropped my dinner plate. Maybe that's why it's something that I've done. I was a naughty boy. So, I, you know, I was really conscious that I didn't want him to think that it was anything that he had done. Um Also, it was, you know, trying to explain to a 
a little one, like a top, well, I guess on all intents and purposes, he was two and a half. So he was still sort of a toddler, um, you know, trying to explain about the fact that we had to leave because it wasn't safe. Um, and that, you know, his dad was doing things that weren't not, that weren't kind, that weren't right, which is why we had to leave. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess this is just written, it was written from a place. I mean, I wrote it, it was a little poem that I wrote for him. I never, um, I didn't intend for it to be a book. I guess I wrote a poem for him because I was, you know, I'm a writer and I guess, you know, the way that I, communicate best is through the written word and uh, you know after speaking to various psychologists because obviously I was getting a lot of help and mental health support for myself um and reading a lot of emotional intelligence books resilience books I developed this way of explaining it to him which I hope you know has um has offered him some comfort in a really crappy situation Yes. And so when you wrote this poem for him, this was when he was two and a half? So I left when my son was two and a half years old. So and when did the questions start rolling in? Um, oh, you know, obviously at two and a half, he was sort of like, where's Dada? Where's Dada? Because we'd gone from, you know, living at home with his dad to, you know, completely moving out and he was barely seeing him. Um so the questions started to rise very like early on. Um, I don't, I didn't write the poem straight away. I think I might, must've written the poem when he was probably about maybe three and a half, four, um, which is when I kind of, but it was, I'd obviously been the, the elements that like the information that's in the poem is what I had been saying to him. So I hadn't been saying, I hadn't been, saying it as a poem to him when he was two and a half, three, three and a half, four. It, it was, these are the conversations that we were having and how I was positioning it to him. Yes. So it was all very much like, you know, I talk about his dad being sick because, you know, it's obviously is a mental health issue. Domestic abuse, domestic violence is a mental health issue because unless you have some kind of, you know, mental health problem you're not going to be an abuser right because it's not healthy behavior it's not mm. born out of healthy behaviors so I sort of used to say to him you know your daddy is sick but he doesn't have it's not like he's got a broken arm and we can just go to the hospital and see a doctor and the doctor can fix it and it's you, not can see that it. can be, you can see the yeah. injury yeah exactly it's in his mind it's in the way that he thinks it's in the you know it makes him it makes him say not nice things. So, you know, we were saying that and I'm like, you know, but you, you know, that's that your daddy needs to get better. If he wants to get better then he will, but we can't do anything. We've tried to help him and we can't help him. And you know, it's not safe for us to stay. It's not safe for us to help him. Yeah. Um, I talked, I mean this, I've given like in the book that I've actually written, I've given a little bonus poem at the end as well, because another little conversation I used to have, with him was about an angry bug and I used to say you know your daddy caught an angry bug and that angry bug you know obviously makes him very angry and he can't help himself like it's something that he can't control at the moment and you know while he's got the angry bug it's not safe for us to stay there so we need to leave kind you of know? like corona it's kind of like yeah <laughs> yeah right isn't it a bit like that yeah <laughs> but um 
Yeah, and so you know, and you know, hope, you know, if that angry bug goes away, maybe we can see him again. But until then, it's not safe, so we can't. Yeah, that's so. It's such a good way of uh, explaining that to children because there's so many questions, and you don't, they don't really understand what's happening, particularly at that age. It's so confusing. I think I've read the book, and I think it's amazing. I think you've done such a good job of explaining explaining uh, mental health to young children which is just so difficult to do and it can be so reassuring for a young child like you said if they're blaming themselves to know that it's actually not it's nothing to do with them yeah yeah you've done an amazing job it's a beautiful beautiful book thank you I was just um you know really conscious as well like I spoke to a lot of people and I remember going to a Maggie Dent seminar and I queued up waiting to talk to her at the end because like you know she says does anyone if anyone's got any questions like can come talk and you know I queued up and waited to speak to her and I was like how what you know I had to flee because of domestic violence I've got a child I think he was probably he was maybe three and a half at the time um and um maybe even a bit older I can't remember but anyway and I sort of said to her you know I have a young son and obviously Maggie Dent is very much about raising well-rounded kind adjusted boys young boys and she's a a real advocate for boys and I was like you know I don't really know what do I do like how do I make sure that you know this doesn't affect him in any way and she was like you know what all you can do is be honest and she said obviously you have to like um what's the word I'm looking for? Like adjust that level of honesty or the detail that you go into based on his age. So it's obviously going to get more detail as he grows older, but you have to be honest. Even now at a young age, you need to say to him, like we had to leave because it wasn't safe and mummy was trying to keep us safe. So, you know, that really helped me as well because it is very much, because as well, I think you're really conscious. Like I was very conscious, you know, I'm like most women, that leave these situations I never ever intended for him to not have a relationship with his father for me I was always actually quite an advocate for it and I was trying to encourage a relationship but I was always very much like but until I know that he's safe it has to be supervised because you know I know you know I'm very much very frightened of this man I know what his capable of and I know the kind of things he's been saying to me you know and so I'm not about to just let my baby go off with him for a day or you know because you just don't know and I feel like you know my ex particularly was a very kind of vindictive resentful person who often spoke about suicide who often spoke about um you know he threatened to kill me it's you know so as a mother to have to like let your child go off with someone that you know is capable of doing that it's you know you can't do it you know our one thing is to keep our baby safe so I think um yeah but I so I never intended to stop that relationship obviously you know I wasn't prepared to put my son in any danger or myself and I think that um so therefore the way I always approach talking to him about it because it's almost like I never want I also was really conscious about bad mouthing my son's father to my son I didn't want to do that because I know that that can cause a lot of angst it can cause a lot of issues you know psychological I mean regardless of who your parents are or what they do no one needs to hear that your dad's a dickhead you know what I mean? like yeah. Yeah. you know or your dad's nasty or horrible or mean like he doesn't want to hear that and I didn't want him to ever feel resentful towards me that I'm the one that's 
stopped this relationship from happening. So I was always very conscious not to paint daddy as a monster, which is also very hard. You're a great mum. Oh, thanks, love. You are. Thank you. I hope I am. I mean, time will tell when they become teenagers, right? (laughs) (laughs) When are we going to (laughs) know? They're all going to need therapy for the rest of (laughs) (laughs) us. Yeah, like, so I was, you know, and there is an element of that as well, which is hard because as well, you don't want to paint him as a saint. And I did, we did, we have gone through stages where my son is almost, you know, like created this idealistic view. I mean, he was, he went through a bit of a time of lying or Mm. not lying, but, you know, I guess it's his internal way of coping. But I know that um, a friend of mine picked him up from school one day and he was chatting in the back seat with his little friend and a song came on, the George Ezra song, Shotgun. Mm. And he, like, she overheard him say, oh, that's my, my daddy sings that song. That's why I don't see him because he's always, he's always away singing. And I was like, oh, my God, heart, heart break your heart. So, you know, and you think, like, maybe I've sort of not been honest enough then. So maybe I do need to kind of, you know, have a bit more of an honest conversation with him. So but he might he might know he might understand that more than you think. It might just be the facade yeah. that he wants to tell other people. Yeah. I believe in the honesty thing as well. Like I think it's really important because then you get to a certain point and then you're like, at what point do you now have to tell your child that you've been lying? Yeah. And eventually the truth has to come out. Well, exactly. And as he gets older, you know, they get so, no, they are like, you're right. They, they understand a lot more than we give them credit for from a very young age. Yeah. And, you know, and my son is a very, he's bright and he never bloody forgets anything. He never misses anything and he never forgets anything. Yes. So are you happy to share a little bit about your relationship history with, with your son's dad? Uh, yes. Um, okay, so I was with my ex for four, for about four years, and um, he was emotion very emotionally abusive. So it was very much coercive control, um, but it was all leading up. It was going to get worse, and when I left, I realised because you can just see the signs. Um, I mean, obviously, he didn't start out like that. He started out love bombing me. You know, oh, my God, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. You're the love of my life. Like, quite obsessive. But I guess when I was, you know, in my 20s, I was kind of wanting, ready to settle down and find love. And so this guy came along, you know, swept swept me off my feet as they do. Um, And I fell into it and... You know, I ended up moving in with him quite early on. And um, that's when it all started. But obviously it doesn't start straight away. It starts with the old, um, you know, I'd go out. Say, for instance, if I had a work do, then I'd come home and he'd be like, oh, who have you been talking to? Like, why are you wearing that dress? Like, your boobs are out. You know, what, what, who have you been trying to impress? You know, so like little things like that that would end in a, like an argument for like the whole weekend. So you'd be like, oh my God, so next time, you know, you probably wouldn't want to go out because you know that you just have to like... It's not worth it when you get back. It's not worth it, exactly. So he never actually told me I could... It wasn't like he said, no, you can't go out. It was just he made it so horrendous when I did go out that I never wanted to go out. And um, also found out he had a massive gambling problem. So like we'd were trying to save for a house and he'd 
kind of persuaded me to pay half my wages into um, a, like his savings account. And obviously, you know, the thing is, I look back at it now and I think, oh my God, you bloody idiot. But, I, you know, I've come from a really nice, loving family. I'd yeah, never you were been exposed. Yeah, never been exposed to anyone with a gambling issue before. So I had no idea, like, how serious it was. So off I went. And then six months later, like, asked him, like, okay, so cool, we should have quite a bit of money now. Like, And he was like, I've got to confess something. I'm really sorry. I, I was trying to, I was trying to get more money and I've just lost it all on the po and the pokies, no less. They completely lost all of our money on the pokies. And then again, but naive me didn't realise the seriousness of that situation. So I was like, you know, this is not on, this is not cool, but okay, you know, I'll, for you know, I'll forgive you this time, but don't do it to me again. Um, and then I got pregnant. Um, and then they're like controlling behavior just got worse I mean like so when I even when I wasn't pregnant like what I'd realized now was controlling or abusive behavior which I didn't realize when it was happening but like we'd have these like intense like really fucked up conversations at like 10 o'clock at night and I would be like no that's not you know about a friend if I had like guy friends you know oh my god he blatantly wants to sleep with you like and I'd be like no he's just my friend I've known him for years like why does he want us to, why does he want you to take him to the airport? And I'm like, well, cause that's what friends do. And he doesn't have a car. Well, no, why does he, he just wants to be your girlfriend? And you know, when you're like having these four hour, like yeah. discussions where you're trying to like say, but he's my friend, like, no. And you'd end up like, I don't even know what we're arguing about anymore. Can we just go to bed now? Can we just go to sleep now? So, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of those that were happening. And then obviously when I got pregnant, I think he thought, great, that's it. Now I've got her. And it just got worse, really. I mean, I remember once, coming home and you know I was about seven months pregnant I mean so you know obviously I was working full-time we were commuting in on a bus which used to take me an hour you know an hour and a half um no actually on the train sorry I was on the train at that point but you know and I used to get really bad walking sickness and I had a stressful job it was really full-on and you know what it's like as you come into the third trimester that's when you start getting tired again and just a bit over it and I remember once I had like a small hair on my boob, which I now realise was probably from my makeup brush. At the time it realised, and oh my God, it like, who have you been letting motorbike? I mean, this is how ridiculous it was, right? Oh, you've just been letting a people, like some guy at work has been motorboating you, you, you know, really like nasty shit. Um, and who you got, everyone at work, who's been like kissing your tits? And I was like, no one has been kissing my tits. Like, I am seven months pregnant. Are you seriously going to do this? And just, just like, what? It was just, yeah. Like, I look back on it now and I think, oh, my God. Like, just the, just the insanity of it. But obviously, at the time, it's just really like, you know, you love this person and you're carrying their child. And you're like, no, of course not. And then you just, yeah, it's, yeah it was just, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. It's and horrible because, you know, my ex was a lot like that too. He didn't trust me at all. Like, and it was really, for me, it was really insulting because yeah. I never did anything. I never did anything to betray his trust. And I was yeah. like, why don't you wait until if that ever happened, then yeah. you have a reason and you can like jump on me then. But I've done nothing to betray your trust at all. Yeah. And at the time was working in a real male dominated industry. So he, so I was surrounded by men yeah. and, um, he just didn't, he didn't, I was constantly treated like a criminal. It. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And then you think, 
oh, well, I'm pregnant. Like, he'll realise now that I'm, like, totally faithful because obviously I'm pregnant and I can't. But no, God, no, that doesn't help. Yeah. And then um, we had the baby and, you know, it was just, yeah, it was just kind of little bits. It was just really very nasty towards me. Just very controlling, very nasty. Like, I remember just having, like, I mean, I think my son was probably, what, about a month old? Um, and, you know, I was kind of getting into my new role as a housewife and, you know, doing the whole getting up, cleaning the house where I can. And, you know, I'd be doing, I even tried ironing. And for anyone that knows me, I don't iron. But for some <laughs> reason, it must have been the hormones. I got all annoyed and start ironing. So I was ironing. <laughs> but I remember once, like him coming home from work and I was still doing the ironing. And he was like, I never want to come home from work and see all the fucking clothes out ever again. You do that shit when I'm not here. I what? don't. I know. I don't go to work to come home and there'd just be mess everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, I've got like a month, like a two month old baby or however old it was. Do you have any idea like how fucking hard it was for me to get this shit? Like, yeah, it was just, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, and gambling got worse. You know, we did the whole thing where I was trying to like pay everything. I ended up having to go back to work when my son was five months old because he'd lost his job. And then that just transpired into him never being able to keep a job because obviously where he was working could see that something wasn't quite right. Um, And, you know, I remember like, I'd try and like pick him up and say, look, you know, I, I really don't appreciate the way that you speak to me. Like that isn't right. It makes me feel really bad. And it's not, it's not the way that you speak to someone. It's very disrespectful. And then we'd like go into this like two hour argument. And at the end of it, he'd be like, no, no, you apologize. Look what you've done. You've like caused this. You've made me feel like crap. You need to apologize. Apologize. And like, I would end up to go, oh, all right, I'm sorry, just to shut him up. And you know, and you think like, but why am I apologizing? I've just said to you, that I don't like how you're talking to me. And it was just, yeah. It was just all, and then you know, when my son was little, um, you know, he. I remember once sitting on the kitchen floor while my ex was just like laying into me about something, like just talk, like obviously shouting at me at that point, but just shouting at me over. I can't even remember what it was about now. It's like really ridiculous. And you know, like my son, like coming up to me and like cuddling me as if to like protect me. You know, like it's kind of things like that that happen, and you're like, oh. This is not, this is not what I want. And, you know, just, I was just frightened of him. I remember going to visit a friend's house and my son fell over on the tile and he had such a go at me. He was like, oh, I told you, look at him, he's gonna. And my friend was like, when I left, cause obviously we left and she called me, she was like, are you okay? And she was like, you know, what's really worrying. And now she tells me that at the time, what she was thinking is, my face was just so like resigned to it. And I was just like, oh, here we go again. And she was like, that really worried me. You weren't shocked by the way he was speaking to you. No, because she was totally shocked. And she was like, you just seem to accept it. And be like, oh God, here we go again. Yeah. And she was like, that's what, you know, really kind of flew the flag for me. You know, and then, yeah, so I had to go back to work full time. My son was only five and a half months old, which is horrendous. I was still trying to breastfeed. So I was pumping at work. Again, a really stressful job. You know, like I was working on the way into work, on the way home from work. I'd come home, bath my son, have to cook dinner. Um, 
and then have to like open up my laptop and do more work it was just yeah it was horrendous and then I would end up like cleaning the house from top to bottom at like the weekend and I remember once like getting really annoyed because I was like why am I cleaning the house like do I've been at work at him like he yells at you I know right <laughs> I <don't laughs> work all day <laughs> No, I don't want to say this crap when I get home. I should have done it, shouldn't I? Because now I'm like, oh my god! Because then I was like, why am I doing this? You've been here, and he's like, I need a, I need a lion. I've been looking after our son all day. Oh, and hold you know, on, let me just get the violin out. Yeah, but what is really funny is that this is what he was. You know, he was. I looked after him for a year and a half. Can I say that for that year and a half, I used to come home and my son would be on the sofa, dummy in mouth, in front of the TV all the blinds would be shut and my ex would be on the computer looking, I'm, I'm making the inverted commas, looking for jobs. And like, so it, it actually got to the point where I had to very cleverly kind of manipulate a situation where he was renovating the house we were in because it was owned. Um, and um, so that my parents ended up taking our son because I knew that for three days a week, at least he would get out in the fresh yeah. air because I was just like yeah it was just crazy crazy times and then you left and um left. and then that was a bit of a whirlwind as well just getting it new beginnings and getting it head around everything and living with a bit of that fear as well do you think that fear ever really goes away no I don't it doesn't it doesn't and it's really annoying and that's exactly the reason why I've had to um published this book under a pseudonym because um just because what might happen you don't want to poke the bear right no you don't. and you know he's not in our life at the moment and it's all very not it's all very calm but um you just never know really you just never know what can happen and I think that's why I um, made the decision to actually to go under a pseudonym yeah um you know I'm still, I still have the fear. I do. I don't think it ever leaves you. I mean, obviously it's not as crippling as it was when I first left, you know, and I'd have like reoccurring nightmares of him killing us. Um, and also like I was, you know, frightened of him. Like he had such a hold over me. It's crazy. And now I think about it, I've, I've, I feel like maybe I might be braver if I ever saw him. I don't know. I hope I would. Um, whereas like before, you know, when I've, I would clam up completely because you just you just can't predict crazy. I think that's the thing. And this is a man that's threatened me. That's you know, I mean, he you know has pushed me. And he never he didn't hit me, but he certainly was paving the way for it by yeah. saying you know I was the type of woman that would make a man hit them, and it so would and if he did yeah and if he did hit me it would be completely my fault because I've pushed him to it. You know, like stuff like that is just, yeah. So disgusting. I know. And, you know, threatening to chop me into tiny pieces and bury me in the garden if I ever had a, an affair. That's horrible. I mean, who says that, right? And what's funny is that he says he was joking. But, you know, you know when someone's like, I mean, I always remember it distinctly the first time he said it to me. It was in the kitchen. And he was like, you know, and he came up really close to my face and, you know, his tone kind of went really quiet. And he was like, you know, if you ever did cheat on me, I could quite easily kill you, chop you up into little pieces, bury you in the garden and no one would know. And, you know, and you're like, Jesus, huh? I don't know if you're joking. So I'm just going to laugh in the hope that you are <laughs> fucking joking, but you're really freaking me out now. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was just. Yeah. 
And so when was the last time you did see him? Um, that is a very good question. I think it must be have been about three years now, maybe two and a half, three years. Actually, probably more than that. Three years. No, three. Yeah, I reckon three years. And you still and get. Still, well, Sorry. still, I'm worried. Yeah, that if he, I think at the, I think you know, the other thing he used to threaten me with was that if I did leave, he would forget about us, and he would forget about our son, and that's something that I would have to live the consequences for. That would be my fault. And I was like, well, if you can do that as a father, then you're not the man that I want to be with. Yeah, exactly. You know, and um, but there is there is still part of me that's like, oh, what if he figures out where I am? You know, maybe he could, I mean, there was a while where the school didn't have any fences around it. And I was a bit like, oh, God, but now it's got like big iron gates around it. So it's fine. But there was a time where I was always a bit like, oh, God, you know, he could just come and just wait. And who? how would they control it? Like he could just take him out. But I don't think my son would go with him now. You know, and there's just things like I won't let. Yeah, I am frightened and I won't let um, the school. I won't let schools or sports clubs or things like that you know when they ask permission to post things on social media I always say no take photos you know my son's always like everyone went and had their photo taken today and I couldn't go out to get and I was like yeah I know Diane I'm sorry you know I'm trying to keep us safe and we you know so yeah I am I am still frightened it's sad isn't it like that someone can have that much control over someone else I completely understand it like I think Mm. It's different when you have children. It's just... Well, exactly. It's not just me, is it? That's the thing. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, it's your, it's your, you, they're your heart outside mm. your body mm. and they're the easiest target. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing with, with it, like, and you can't, you can't predict crazy and you can't, you know, I'm convinced that he does have a personality disorder. It's never been officially diagnosed, but it's been mentioned to me by professionals and, you know, and they do not think like normal people. Yeah. Has he tried to be in touch over the last two or three years? No. And so does your son still ask questions? Yeah, yeah. We talk about it quite a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, How has your explanation changed, if at all? I've, I think I've told I, I I start to tell him a bit more, so I start to tell him about you know I'm a bit a little bit more honest about how you know he says very mean things and you know he didn't make us feel very good, um, and you know because he my son sometimes goes oh you know when I'm older I'm going to go and look for him and I'm very much like well we just need to make sure that he's better. Because I and it's not going to be safe for you to go off and look for him, you know, if he's not better. Yeah. Um, and I still, you know, and I then I just remind him of all the love he's got in his life. That's the thing. Yeah. And you know, and I I always say to him, it's good that you you want to talk about it. You know, we we need to talk about it, and it's okay if you feel angry. It's okay if you feel sad. That's completely normal. But you just need to talk to me about it. And if you do feel like that, then just come and talk to me. Yeah. You know, and it took every fibre of my being to like do this. But even in like, I'm doing photo book, photo albums. And you know, when like you come across them and there's a picture and I'm like, oh, this would be really easy just to like go no. But, and then I'm like, but that's not fair because, you know, it is his dad at the end of the day. It's part of, it's half of who he is and he needs to see him. So 
you know, I've created photo books that have pictures of his dad in and you know, like your stomach turns every time you flip your page. But I'm like, but you know, it's not fair. I can't just totally erase him from his life. Yeah, completely. You know? Yeah. There's like, it's it's bloody hard being a mum sometimes doing those things. I think yeah. I've had like, I don't know, I've got photos printed out of my daughter's dad for her mm. and she's got frames in her room and stuff. But there was a time where she was in my room for a while and the pictures came with her and I kind of <laughs> drew them yeah. at that point. I'm like, <laughs> I don't really want the photos of him on my bedside table. Yeah, no. <laughs> in your cupboard yeah okay just to get them safe fire them in the bin (laughs) (laughs) the safekeeping (laughs) really don't want it to fall off and break yeah (laughs) oh no it fell out the window (laughs) oh oh, look the truck's driving over it oh dear Nice, but oh, it's hard being a mum. But I think yeah, doing, I think that's good. You did the right thing, in my yeah. opinion. Yes, yeah, it's hard doing the right thing, though, isn't it? It is. But <laughs> so now you've written this amazing book, and the thing that I love about it as well is that it's a real good um, segue into having these conversations with your kids as well, because you can read this book to them. It opens up the door for them to ask more specific questions about their own situation. Which yes. Is- fantastic and it's really like it's really aimed at uh kids who have I guess whose other parent or whose parents have been through a domestic violent relationship yeah and also mental illness that's probably unrelated to domestic violence as well yeah look I think that it's um the reason why I wrote it well the reason why I thought it wanted to create a book was because that's the other thing when I first left and I was trying to find a way to explain it the first thing I always look for whenever I'm trying to explain the tricky subject is a book because I think it's the easiest way because then you can sit and look at the pictures and you can you know have a chat about it and then there just wasn't a book out there there was a book out there for like where's my daddy or like for death the death of a parent or um you know maybe depression there's you know books out there for both depression or like mental illness in terms of like bipolar and things like that but there was nothing specifically for domestic violence or domestic abuse and I feel like it's such an important thing I feel like this book is yeah very relevant to women who are in the same situation as me and perhaps women out there who you know maybe that maybe the child is spending time with the father but maybe it's supervised and it's only happening you know once every month or you know or very sporadically like I still think it would be relevant for that but yes it's just and I it's just really for people to sit down and be able to you know um sit down with their child or children and just try and, you know, work it all out, what's happening. And I think the thing, that the, how I've approached it is really from, I want, you know, yes, it is sad. It's a very emotional book because obviously it's an emotional subject and it is, you know, but it ends in a warm and surrounded by love. And I think that's always what I was always trying to go for with my child is it was you know yes this is a really shit situation yes you know it is sad and it you know it's okay to feel all of these emotions you are going to feel angry you are going to feel sad because it is just terrible but it's not you this is all on you know it's all on him if he wants to get better great but if he can't get better or if he isn't getting better then 
you know, that's okay too, because look at what you have, look at the love that surrounds you. You know, you've got me, you've got your friends, you've got your, we've got the wider family, you know, all of these things to focus on. Yeah. And think about that. Yeah. So I like you, that. It, yeah. Cause you're acknowledging the feelings yeah. of shitness yeah. and saying that's okay. Yeah. And that's normal. And yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, looking at a positive aspect of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I think it's amazing. Oh, thanks, love. <laughs> tell tell us about the whole process. How did you go from getting this poem to going, I want to write a book for children? Um, so I well, I had obviously so I wrote the poem and um I sub- I actually submitted it to like um a it's a women's like creative industry kind of grant application um and yeah I won and I thought oh and when I submitted it to them they said to me oh are you going to make this into a book and had you considered that or was that um, the first I kind of I guess I probably in all honesty had considered it considered it a little bit but then you know what we're like we get in our heads and like oh no it's you know it's just a poem how can you make a poem into a book and I think you know that was what I was worried about as well is how to bring it to life into an actual book so it wasn't just a poem because I remember sending it to like a publishing agent and him saying oh have you read children's books because that's not really that's the poem and I was like okay well yeah but are you kind of getting what I mean I don't think he was he wouldn't have been the right fit for me anyway because he clearly didn't get it but you know and they sort of make you feel a bit like oh okay well maybe it's not good enough then I won the grant so that gave me a little bit more confidence um and then I was thinking I think it's just really important for me the illustration yeah thank you and yes that's this fabulous Jacinta she's amazing and um I feel like for me I chose to go down the self-publishing route because obviously I'd won this grant so I had some money for it and I thought you know what I'm just going to self-publish it because like I know that it's needed yeah um and because it's such a niche market I think it would have been really hard to get it published because like I said you know because it's not going to be like a million bestseller book let's face it because it's so niche that's a good thing we don't yeah. want all these kids running around with <laughs> yeah that's true but because it's so niche so I decided I was going to um, self-publish it, but a lot of books, some books I feel that get self-published, they, they just use the like illustrator in the self-publishing houses and I just, they just never, they're just never quite right. And I, cause I, I don't know, I think it's just worked in my life with some really fab, really talented designers and with really great imagery. So I kind of feel like maybe I've, I'm a bit fussy. And um, I came across Jacinta I'd actually not really even thought about it for a while, the book. Like it was still sitting in my um in my folder and I still hadn't done anything with it. And I was like, oh God. Anyway, and I came across her on Faffers. So someone had posted a picture they wanted a, an illustrator. And I was just like having a look. And um and I thought, oh, hmm, I quite like you. Like I went to look on her portfolio on her website and I thought, oh yeah, you're good. You're really good. I like some of your stuff. There's two girls actually that I contacted. When I just um, reached out to Jacinta, she was amazing from the get-go. Like, she was just really on it and really, like, I don't know, I can't explain it. You know, when it just obviously instantly, we just gelled. Yeah. And then when I actually spoke to her on the phone, she was like, oh, my God, you know, I just love this because my mum was in an abusive relationship and I'd wish we'd had this for my sister. Mm. So, and I was like, you get it. You totally get it. So, yeah, so she, she got the job. 
And I was just with her, I was just like, look, it's, it's obviously for girls and boys. So I don't want it to be um, like steered either way. Like it has to be completely gender neutral. I want it to be, you know, I had quite a clear in my mind. It was like pastel, like soft colours because obviously, you know, and as I said, like the story is all about dealing with all the shitty emotions up front. And then at the end, it needs to, it needs to be full of happiness and love. And because that's, that's kind of how it, it goes. And yeah, she just, she just got it. She was just amazing. Like she just got it straight away completely. And I'm so proud of what she's done. And, you know, there's like, there's things in there which were really tricky. So I was also very much like, I don't want, I don't want the father to be in it. So there's like where I talk about him, um, where I talk about like the sicknesses in the way that he thinks. Um, it makes him feel angry. It makes him say hurtful things. So like there's a picture or, you know, it's quite dark because obviously we're talking about a dark thing, a, a horrible thing in the story. And then like it's, it's behind a closed door and there's a bubble that comes out with hurtful things like a speech bubble. So it's just kind of like that really alluding to it rather than showing it. Obviously I didn't want to cause any distress to my son because obviously he's going to see it. Um, And then, you know, whenever we talk about our relationship, like say the mum and the child and, you know, family, it's all very much like pastels of, you know, and love just soft and happy things. And then, you know, there's another one, um, again like so when it's talking about how it's not the child's responsibility to make him feel better so you know because you can't change like there's nothing that the child can do to change it um that's totally on the father he needs to do that and it's not going to cause him any kind of angst or anger and then there's a picture in there she's done this beautiful illustration of two pathways so like the, the father's on one path walking off into the distance and the mum and the child are on the other path walking to the distance. And actually my son, you know, that was a big talking point for us. Because when he saw it, he was like, well, why is dad on that path? And why? And I was like, well, because darling, you know, we are going in separate ways at the moment because your dad's on his own path. Like he's, you know, he's feeling this anger. He's feeling, he doesn't, he's not prepared to meet us in the middle, you know, until he's better. And then maybe we can be on the same, well, we can be near each other yeah. <laughs> on the path. <laughs> He can perhaps be on the. <laughs> he can be on the back track. <laughs> yeah, he could be walking on the grass while we're on the pavement. That might be fine. <laughs> but yeah, you know. So I, I really feel like, and you know, her thing, her strength was font. So there's a few things in here with fonts, and yeah, it's just really, I'm really chuffed with it. I think she's completely brought it to life beyond my, my dreams. Well, you should be so proud of yourself because you've just created this beautiful, beautiful story book. And are you still planning on putting this book into shelters and libraries and that sort of thing as well? Yes. So I'm going to try and get it definitely into women's shelters, um, into libraries, into schools. That I mean, that's my plan, basically, because it's, amazing. you know, that's what it, that's where it needs to be, right? It needs to be especially in shelters. Yeah, 100%. And so if anyone's listening and they want to get a copy of the book, how do they do that? Um, so I have a landing page which they can go to, which is whereismydaddybook.com. And then on the bottom of that, there's all of the links. It's available on most of the um, online bookstores. So Amazon, Fish Pond, um, Book Depository, Barnes & no- Noble. So a lot of the big um 
yeah the big global um bookstores so www.whereismydaddybook.com amazing yes. website who came up with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just a little friend of mine. <laughs> um, but on that page, they are then so depending on where they are in the world, they can find out where the best where suits that where they like to buy their books, basically. Yeah, and also it's global. So if you're listening to this and you're in the UK or in America, you can it's it's all like it's on the global network. Fantastic. Sorry, yeah. did I cut you off before? Were you about to add something? No, I don't think so. I was probably just going to bag you out for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) And if anyone wanted to email you, the best way to do that is hello at whereismydaddybook.com. Yes, that's correct. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so super proud of you. I think the book is absolutely beautiful and it's a game changer for for women and for kids who have been through something similar so thank you for uh you know gifting the world such an amazing asset you're amazing oh thank you and i hope it helps someone i think it will it will not i think it will (laughs) it's amazing awesome thanks darling all right thanks for coming on the show all right bye Thank you so much for that. I am so proud of you. As I said, I absolutely love the book and I think it is just, as I said, a gift to this world and I think it can help so many people. So well done. Well done. Now, if you wanted to get in touch with Zoe, you can email her at hello at whereismydaddybook.com. And as we mentioned during our chat, if you want to get a copy of the book or find out more about it, you can go and do so at www.com whereismydaddybook.com. Fantastic website name, hashtag just saying. I will, of course, put those links in the show notes. If you wanted to get in touch with me, please send me an email to julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com. You can also connect with me on social media. I'm over at Single Mother Survival Guide over on Facebook and Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast episode, if you have enjoyed this podcast, I'd love for you to rate it. And if you have a few minutes, even writing a review would be amazing and helps single mothers find this podcast. If you wanted to check out any of the other podcast episodes or read the blog, just head on over to the Single Mother Survival Guide website, which is www.singlemother survivalguide.com. Again, all those links are in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day or evening, depending on where you are and when you're listening. And I'm really looking forward to speaking with you again next week. Okay. Bye for now.